Welcome to the Mosaic Church Podcast, where we share with you the message of hope and love that lies at the core of the Christian faith. Our weekly sermons delve into the teachings of the Bible and how they can impact our daily lives, inspiring us to journey together towards a deeper understanding of God's infinite love. Join our community of believers as we embrace the power of faith and embark on a transformative spiritual journey. Mosaic Church in Mableton, Georgia exists to lead people to an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ to help them change the world. Now, please enjoy this message from Pastor Broderick Santiago, lead pastor of Mosaic Church. Today, we start a brand new series entitled True and Better. And this poem, I just so happened upon, and it, and it wrecked me. It wrecked me because, you know, we read the Bible from uh, the beginning, Genesis, all the way to the end and Revelation, and, all, and we think that these are a whole bunch of separate stories. Many times when we just read, oh, this story is perfect for my life and my situation now. This story fits exactly what I went through yesterday. This, but what, what, what it is is, and this character and that character, what they did, and when I heard this poem, I said, wow. Wow, duh, it makes sense. It all points back to Jesus. From the Old Testament, the Torah, uh, and all of that, it all points to Jesus. What the prophets spoke about all points to Jesus. None of these stories are separate or apart from Jesus. And so, during this time of the year, right after Thanksgiving, we have Black Friday or Great Thursday now is what they're calling it. Uh, local business Saturday or, or whatever the case may be. Cyber Monday. Celebrate all of these things. It's all about that. But here's one thing. I had this conversation with somebody who is not a believer, but they celebrate Christmas. I says, brother, I just want to tell you this, and I don't mean to offend you, so please don't take offense. But Christmas this shopping, a Black Friday, Great Thursday, Cyber Monday, local business Saturday wouldn't exist if it not been for Christ. Now, I know that we flipped it and turned it upside down and make this a time for shopping, but there would not be a day that you'd be able to get these so-called deals if it had not been for Christ. Now, I know we don't know the exact day when Christ was born. As a matter of fact, if I read the Bible and I read it regularly, I understand that there's really no consensus on exactly when he was born. There's two mentions of it, and that's in the New Testament. Two mentions of it, and neither of those stories really come hand in hand. So we don't know exactly when he was born. We don't know that. Can we all agree with that? But this is what we will focus on for this series. We're not going to focus on when he was born. We're not going to focus on the circumstances of how he was born, although that fulfilled prophecy. What I want to focus on for this series for the next four weeks is the who, who Jesus was, and why he came, why he was born. See, when he was born, you know, we celebrated on the 25th, but that has something to do with the Roman Catholic Church many, many years ago, and it's something that they decided. That was the day they picked festivals, and now all these people get to shop and get all of these discounts and deals. Whether you are a Christian or not, you celebrate Christmas because you participate in the festivities surrounding Christmas. Now they've hijacked it, and now we can't say Christmas. It's happy holidays. 
Well, guess what holiday is? It's a holy day. Uh, amen, somebody. So happy holiday. I say, hey, happy holy day. However you want to slice it, you are celebrating it whether you're a believer or not. Embrace it and love it. Now just come on to faith and join us and celebrate it. Amen. So what I want to focus on for these next four weeks is the who and the why, who Jesus was and why he came. So I'm going to do my best to dissect some of the scripture uh, for you real fast, but let's pray real quick and then we'll get into it. Eternal and gracious God in heaven, thank you for this rich and wonderful opportunity, giving me license to be your ambassador today. Oh, God, I pray that your words do some amazing things to people. I pray that they impact, inspire, and ignite change in the hearts of many today. Oh, God, I pray more than anything that it's your voice that they hear and that it's your image that they see as I stand as an ambassador and representative for you. God, do me one favor if you can. Bless this place from center to circumference so that when we leave here, we can say we left here changed, inspired, ready to make an impact, and ready to ignite a revolution that would honor you. Oh, God, we ask these things in Jesus' name. All those agreed would say, amen. My favorite part of that poem is when he says, the Bible is not a series of disconnected stories. It is a single narrative that points to one person, Jesus. This thick book that some of you may have as a weight on your table, some of you have not cracked in a while. If you opened it, the pages may fall off. This thick book a single narrative that points to one man that came for you and I, and his name was, is Jesus. His name is Jesus. Let me share with you a few things on why he came, okay? And then I'm going to sum it up to the main reason. A few things, a few reasons why he came. According to Mark 2, chapter 17, verse 17, Mark 2, verse 17, it says this, when Jesus heard this, he told them, Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I've come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. We got anybody in this room like that? If I could lift my feet, I would. Luke 19 and 10 says this, For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. Has anybody ever broken their compass, trying to find their way home to Jesus. Lift my feet again, guilty as charged, that's me. Matthew 20, 28 says this, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. John 10, 10 says this, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Other translations will say, I've come to give you life and leave you life more abundantly. This translation, the New Living Translation says it as I just said it. A thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Final thing I want to share with you, John 12, 46 says this, I've come as a light to shine in this dark world so that all who put their trust in me will no longer remain in the dark. Why did Jesus come? To sum it up, he came to be our Savior, 
to sum it up, he came to be our Savior. He came to save us from our sinful nature. He came to save us from the sin in this dark world that exists. He came to save us. He came as our Savior. For people who were lost and disconnected, he came for that reason. And today, I want to talk to you about seven statements that Jesus made in John. But for this series, we'll focus on three. They're called the I am statements. He said in John, I am the resurrection and the life. That's the fifth of many, and we'll spend most of our time there today. He also said, I am the good shepherd. We'll speak about that next week, probably one of my favorite, and I can't wait to get to it, one of my favorite things to talk about how he shepherds us. He also said, I am the light of the world. That'll be the third week. And then we're just going to talk about Jesus on week four. Amen? So if y'all want to get some of this, you got to come. Scripture says this in John eleven twenty-five, 25, and we're going to get into this now. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Let me tell you what's happening here in John 11. Jesus just received word that his homeboy, his man, his BFF was taken ill. He says, Jesus, you got to come. You got you to come and pray. Lazarus is sick. He's, he's taken ill. He eventually passes. Jesus waited four days before he responded. And his sisters, Mary and Martha, they're just, you know, they're like, where is Jesus? They're discouraged. They're, they're hurt. They're upset. And Jesus says, and that's his woman. Do you know who I am? He says, uh, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. We're going to spend some time right now. Let's talk about this resurrection and the life. When Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life, he was claiming to be a source of both. In other words, he is claiming to be, I can resurrect not only dead people, but dead things in your life. I am the giver of life. I, cannot, I, can, I can do all these things because I have all the power. I am the source of both. If you want to live and live abundantly, if you want to live a rich life, then let me stop right there because I don't want to confuse anybody. We're not talking monetarily rich. We're not talking about the ducats. We're not talking about the bling. We're talking about rich in the spirit, rich in, in godly things, rich in, in wisdom, rich in, in, in justice, rich in those things, in passion and love. I ain't talking about material things, but if you want to live a life that is truly rich and abundant, the only one who can give it is Jesus. He said, I'm the source of the resurrection. I'm the source of your life. If you are not a part of me, if you are not attached to me, we're going to talk about that too later on uh, a few weeks from now when he talks about being the vine. But if you are not attached to me, you won't get it. Those dead things in your life will remain dead if we're disconnected. The joyous life that you seek and pray about and you wish you could have apart from me is impossible. I am the resurrection 
and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. Beyond that, Jesus was also making a statement concerning his divine nature. He does more than give life. He is life. And therefore, death has no ultimate power over him. Jesus confers this spiritual life on those who believe in him so that they share his triumph over over death. Believers in Jesus Christ will experience resurrection, watch this, because having the life Jesus gives, it is impossible for death to defeat them. That's all right. I'll let that marinate. Just, just, just understand that. Those who believe in, in, in Jesus Christ, death cannot defeat you. See, you may go in the physical, but spiritually your soul still belongs to Jesus. He came to give you life even after death. Just so y'all know, that's, that's, that's not me. That's Scripture. That's not a quote I made up. That's biblical. Came to give you life after death. He's guaranteeing your transition that after your physical body rests in the ground or however you plan on leaving your remains here, you still live further in the kingdom of heaven. He came to give you something that you, many of us can't even comprehend here on earth. I certainly can't. Many can't. That's why we're not shouting right now. That's why we're not dancing and running around because we can't comprehend it. This morning I woke up to a bunch of social media posts and tweets and Instagram messages about Paul Walker. And I was like, man, Paul Walker, Paul Walker, the name sounds familiar. So I had to look up a picture and there he was, the brother from um, Fast and Furious. And I was like, whoa, whoa. So everybody's talking about that. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. But what they didn't talk about was the gentleman, the founder of TBN, <laughs> one of the first Christian networks that, that, that's national and international coverage for uh, giving, 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 giving light to so many pastors and gospel singers and just allowing them to have a platform to share the word. He passed away. And the only place I saw that was Christian posts. Only Christian organizations and networks posted that. Now, here's the good news. I found a a quote from Paul, and he confessed that he was a Christian, and he actually questioned atheists. He says, because they're the only ones who don't believe in the God. He says, how can you not believe in a God? I surf, and I swim in these great, beautiful oceans, and I see all of this beautiful nature It's impossible to believe that God didn't create this. It didn't happen accidentally. That's, unquote, Paul Walker. He said that. So I say to myself, well, well, is it Walker or Waller? Walker, just making sure. So I say to myself, so he was a Christian. But there's no talk of this man who found this wonderful network to give a platform for Christian leaders to speak to give a platform. Now, some of the speakers, I know you don't have to agree. I don't agree with every speaker that's been on this show. But the bottom line, he did something that hadn't been done. And there's no talk of him passing. That bothered me. That bothered me. We live in a dark world. We're surrounded by death. My first year of ministry, I did eight funerals. My first year of ministry, I did eight funerals. And out of the eight I don't think not one was over the age of 30 years old. 
In this dark world where we're surrounded by death, we're surrounded by negative stuff. In this dark world where we can't even pray in school. In this dark world where uh, you get in trouble if you say the word Christ. In America, mind you, I'm not talking about a foreign land. In America, you can't say Christian in in these schools. I dare you to pray and let some kid whose parent is not a Christian see that. You're in trouble. I'm in this school every day walking around. And teachers asking me, you know, oh, it's a rough day, Pastor, can you pray for me? We got to find, like, the janitor's closet to pray. Why? Because in this land, the home of the free and the brave, I can't pray publicly. But it's okay for you to have your menorah displayed in the schools. It's all right. That's a religious symbol, but I can't have my cross. This dark world we live in, where is our hope? It's in Jesus the true and better. It's in Jesus. And this is what we're talking about. See, you know, in this dark world, he becomes our light. He is our light. He is our light and our life. Let me share something with you all about the resurrection. The resurrection is not an event. It's a person. The resurrection is not an event that occurs. It's a person. He said it, I am the resurrection. He didn't say, hey, I perform resurrections. You want some? Hey, hey, I can do resurrections. Just sign up over here in this line. If you want to be resurrected, sign up. And he says, I am the resurrected. So if there's anything in your life that needs to be resurrected, meaning brought back to life, resuscitated, giving new air, given a new chance, given a new opportunity, given new breath, the only way it can happen is through Jesus. I am the resurrection. I don't do resurrections. I am. I'm it. I'm it. Look no further than me. I'm it. And from me comes life. I am the resurrection. The resurrection is not an event. It is a person. Let me tell you all about Martha. Oh, Martha, my girl. My girl, Martha. Y'all know Martha didn't believe that the resurrection was an event until Jesus showed her. She, didn't, she believed that the resurrection was a She didn't believe it was a person. Martha's knowledge of eternal life was an abstract idea. Didn't I just talk about that? That's why we don't jump when I say he came to give us life even after death. That's why we're not shouting. It's abstract to even imagine. See, in our carnal minds, we can only celebrate and appreciate what we can visibly see. Our brain is structured to say, hey, I can see the possibility of, of something like that happening. For instance, you can see yourself if you, you may live, I don't know how, what your living situation is now, but some of us in this room want more. You want a bigger house, whatever the case may be. You can see yourself in that house. You can drive to that house, walk through that house, look at that house, and begin to set goals to get said house, correct? But when it comes to heaven, something that nobody that we know personally have seen, we don't understand it or comprehend it, so it's hard for us to really believe that it's actually attainable. We haven't seen it. We haven't experienced it. We don't know what it smells like. We don't know what it feels like. We don't know what it tastes like. All we know is that the Bible and the preacher and every other believer says heaven exists. But it's hard for us to get excited because it's abstract to us. Why? Because we've not experienced it and nobody in this room, I don't think, knows anybody personally who's experienced heaven firsthand. Because here's what I know. Most people who experience heaven firsthand, they stay there. 
Real talk. They stay. They stay. There are instances of people who've died and been dead for a few hours and, you know, they're resurrected, but they didn't go to heaven. If they did, they wouldn't come back. He don't send you back. The only person that was sent back was the devil. And I don't think we got too many of them in this room. It's hard for us to embrace it because it's so abstract because nobody that we know personally has experienced it. So it's like this big imagination, and so it's hard for us to grasp. And this is what happens with Martha. She's like, okay, okay, you're the resurrection, but <laughs> I know I've heard of it. I wasn't a witness to when you uh, resurrected Jairus' daughter. I wasn't a witness when you uh, resurrected the widow's uh, son. Okay, so, so, so I hear that, but, but it's abstract to me that it could be eternal life. It, it's really, I don't believe it. It, it. it doesn't make sense to me, Jesus. I, I, I don't believe this thing. I, I, gotta, I have to see it. I have to see it. The resurrection is not an event. It's a person. The three resurrections I shared with you all that that we know of in the New Testament that Jesus performed was the widow, son who had died, uh, Jairus' 12-year-old daughter, and here it is, his friend Lazarus. His friend Lazarus, he resurrects. Let me tell you all something. Jesus can resurrect some dead things. Not only people but dead things. Your life comes from those things that you may have already put a tombstone on in your life. Uh, the goals that you set to be uh, uh, an award-winning writer. Somebody told you uh, it ain't happening, so you put that on the shelf and put a tombstone on it and called it dead. Uh, you didn't finish college, and now you're almost 40 or whatever, and you're feeling like, well, I'm too old now. And so you put a tombstone on continued education because you felt that you were too old. Uh, you, you gave up on searching for Mr. Right because there's been so many wrongs that come your way. So you put a tombstone on your search for companionship. I can go on and on about the different things that we put to death, but God, Jesus can resurrect today. And I want to share that with you. So what I want to talk about is those dead ends that become new beginnings. Those dead ends in our lives that become new beginnings once Jesus puts his resurrection power upon it. The first thing I want to talk about is how many of us, we give up on our dreams, we give up on our goals and our ambitions and our plans for a better life because we become discouraged. So I want to talk about being dead in your, is it discouragement, my first note? Dead in doubt. Dead in doubt. Dead in doubt. The disciples found themselves in such a place. Can I tell you all about it? Can I tell you all about it? So they came and they talked to Jesus, and I'm just going to have a conversation right here, and I'll jump back to Scripture. So they came, and the people came, and they talked to Jesus. They said, Jesus, man, you know, your boy, your homeboy, your friend, your BFF, you know, he's taking ill. He's, you know, he's not going to make it. And Jesus kept doing what he's doing. And finally says, you know what, we need to go after four days. You know what, we need to go. And the disciples were like, hey, 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 wait, wait, wait. We're going back to the place, brother, where they try to kill you. They try to take you out. We, 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 we can't go back there. And Jesus said this one thing. He says, no, we have to go back and wake up Lazarus. He's asleep. And the disciples are like, well, can't he just wake up on his own? Just, if we just stay here, stay out of trouble, don't go back to where they're going to kill us. They try to already take you out, man. If we just stay here, you say he's asleep, right, Jesus? Can't, he just, can't we just stay here and just let him wake up? Eventually, he's going to wake up. And Jesus is like, no, he's not. See, He's dead to the world, but he's asleep to me because I'm, I'm the resurrection, so I'm going I'm to do some things. But they doubted what Jesus was saying. They doubted it. 
It says, it says no, 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 no. Jesus, let's, let's not go there. Okay, y'all don't believe me. Y'all got that look. I'm, I'm just going to show you. It's in the Bible. It's not me making this up. Y'all looking like I'm making it up. Okay, watch this. John 11, 8 and 12. I want to say this. He says, but the disciples objected. Rabbi, they said, only a few days ago, the people in Judea were trying to stone you. Are you going there again? Like, really, dude? They might try to, like, this time they got some other stuff. They got nine millimeters and stuff. They're ready for you. They got a new arsenal just in case you come back. 12 says this. The disciples said, Lord, because Jesus says in here, he says, you know, we got to go get him. He's asleep. They said, Lord, if he's sleeping, he will soon get better, right? Why do we need to go there and risk our lives? I doubt that we can do anything. Is what they're saying. I doubt that it's worth the trip. I doubt that it's worth the sacrifice. I doubt that it's worth the risk. Can I share something with y'all, by the way? The greatest things for your life require the greatest risk. Real talk. You want to be a millionaire? You want to start a business? Yeah, you're going to have to invest, and you're going to risk a whole lot of your investment not knowing if it's going to return to where you're a millionaire. Uh, Marriage? Yeah. Because we know that many times the person you're dating send their representative. Oh, y'all, y'all never had that happen. <laughs> y'all know what I'm talking about? That person, they got on all their airs. Hey, how are you? I, I love the Bible. I read in my favorite script. They start quoting the Song of Solomon to you. They're perfect. Oh, yeah, and I'm volunteering. Look at me. I'm helping the poor kids. Now, all of a sudden, y'all get married. They, they just sitting on the couch watching football. I ain't going to church. Jesus is with me everywhere I go. He on the football team right now. They just prayed. Right? Everything we do in life is risk. The job that you apply for, you get it. But if the company downsizes, you're in trouble. The greatest things require the greatest risk. But many of us are afraid to step out there and take those chances. Even, even, watch this, even in our faith. Some of us have spiritual doubts. Anybody in here ever have that? Okay, and for everybody else, just, just, just clean your halo because you are holier than the rest of us. I'm the pastor, and I said I have spiritual doubts. That means we in trouble if you didn't raise your hand. Absolutely. As long as you're on this side of heaven, you're going to have doubts. As long as you're on this side of heaven, you're going to have doubts. As I said in a previous sermon, it's not, it's not a bad thing to have doubts, but it can't be doubts that hinder you. They have to be doubts that, 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 that require and invoke God's intercession. When you feel your faith is shaky, when you feel you're just about to quit, when you feel like you're about to wave your white flag, that's when you need intercession. It's okay to have some of those doubts. Only Jesus has the power to turn your dead doubt into living belief. But you have to allow him in your life. And then, and then you get an opportunity to be an eyewitness to his blessings. You have an opportunity to be an eyewitness and an ambassador for how he blesses you. Many of us find ourselves dead in doubt. But when you find yourself there, begin to pray. Begin to pray harder, worship harder, and let that become a new beginning to where your doubt becomes bold and great confidence, not in your own merit, but in God. Let your doubt become great confidence in Jesus. Let your doubt become the thing that catapults you to the next level because you don't put your own self into the the equation. You allow Jesus to work his magic. 
Y'all will get that in a minute. Some people already have had that happen in their life, but they're sitting on it right now. Second thing I want to share with you. Some of us find ourselves dead in discouragement. I'm not talking to anybody in here. I know y'all already know the end result. I'm just talking to people that y'all might know. Maybe I'm talking to myself because I, too, get discouraged. I was telling somebody this morning, I says, yeah, they offered me some deliciousness that they made and brought in at the table. I says, cool, as long as it's not meat because I'm, I'm on a fast. And she's like, why? Is it church fast? I says, no, it's a personal fast. I'm seeking Jesus on some things here. Not that I'm discouraged, but my faith is shaking just a little bit. So I need to fast because I want clarity. I want, I, want, I want to hear directly from him. And so, yes, pastor does get discouraged. If you're in this room and you say you don't get discouraged, you are a robot. You don't have feelings. Everyone gets discouraged. Huh? Okay, it may not be that deep. Your team was playing yesterday. Your favorite team was playing football, and you thought they were about to lose. You were discouraged. That's discouragement. If you didn't know, that's discouragement. That's discouragement. Five seconds left, five minutes left, a point down. We could win or lose. That's discouragement. Sometimes your discouragement isn't as deep as life decisions. But if you're living this life and you don't have any discouragement from life decisions, you're a robot. We've all been discouraged at some point in our lives. Let me show you how uh, Martha was discouraged. John eleven twenty. 20. No, I'm sorry, it was Mary who was discouraged. So when Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary stayed in the house. Here it is. Four days have gone. Brothers, they're all funky, dead corpse, stinky. Jesus still hasn't come. We've asked. We've sent messenger after messenger. We did an Instagram like, yo, Jesus, where you at? We need you. We Facebooked. We tweeted. We did everything, and here he is. He never came. And so here it is. Mary's like, you know what? I give up. He's not going to show up. He's not going to come. I'm just going to sit here. I don't care that he's on his way now. It's too late. He's dead. Discouraged. That's us. You, me, and everybody in here. Your neighbor, the person outside of here. We get discouraged. Don't pay any attention to her. She won't notice y'all are here. Can someone take her back to where she belongs? And then whoever's in charge, I'm going to have to have a meeting with them. That would be my wife. Okay, where were we? Discouragement. Thank you. That was discouraging because I know those doors are unlocked. And there's a street right outside. Anyway, really. Many of us get discouraged, right? We've been working. We've been, we've, we've been working so hard, busting our tail. We did everything right. We went, we, right after high school, we went to college. We got our BA. Right after that, we didn't even take a break. We got our, our, our master's. And right after that, some of us are involved in doctorate programs. And yet we are extremely in debt from loans and not working anywhere near. Matter of fact, what we owe in loans is more than what we make annually. Huh? I just, I, I think I struck a nerve with a few people. And we're not where we want to be. And we're getting discouraged. Then we have all of this health care stuff. And we got the political stuff. We got all this other junk to add on to our personal dilemmas. And we are beginning to get discouraged. 
So when the pastor says, hey, God gives you life even after death. Cool. All right. Hallelujah. Whatever. I'm talking to some real people here today, right? Huh? When, 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 when your friend says, girl, lift your head up. It's going to get better. I know it. We all love Jesus. Please. You don't, you don't, your, your business ain't my business. You don't know how hard this is for me. We get discouraged. We know Jesus is coming. How do I know? Because if you're here, you have a testimony. Anybody here don't have a testimony? I'll give you one right quick. I'll do something to, to and resurrect you real fast. Everybody in here has a testimony of how God brought you through something that you couldn't do yourself. Your mother couldn't do it. Your father couldn't do it. Your friends couldn't do it. Your neighbor couldn't do it. Your boss couldn't do it. It only took Jesus to do it. All of us have that kind of story in here. All of us do. But what happens is we forget about that story. We forget about how he showed up right when we needed him. We forget about how he was there at the nick of time. We forget about that and get discouraged. Forgetting that the same way he resurrected you before when you were dead in your sorrow, the same way he resurrected you before when you were dead in your doubt, the same way he resurrected you before when you were dead in your discouragement, he will do it again, but you just have to Hold on, which leads me to my final point. Many of us find ourselves dead in the delay. Dead in the delay. We just left this series called The Waiting Room, so we're not going to go back and put y'all back in the waiting room, but we just wrapped that up. I just want to say something about delay, if I may. It's so cliche, but it's true if you just take a moment to believe it. If you just take a moment to believe it, here's what I want to say. God's delay, y'all can finish the rest, is not a denial. God's delay is not a denial. God's delay is not a denial. I've heard people write a song with that same saying. But once you believe it, and I guess everybody in here can because if you said you've had a testimony, then, 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 then that shows that you were waiting on something. There was a time, there was a transition point, there was a waiting room that you were in, but you stayed in there long enough to experience what would happen on the other side of your waiting room. We all have that story. So that's a proof in the pudding that his delay is not a denial. He's not denying you from what he's promised you. He, listen, God don't break promises in case y'all didn't know. Not the God I serve. He don't break promises in case you don't know. God keeps his word. He's a man of integrity. He's an honest man. He never lies. He keeps his word. If God said he's going to do it, he's going to do it, but it's not on your timeline. It's on his. Don't become dead and immobile in the delay. Remember that thing. If you don't remember nothing else today, hold on to that. God's delay is not a denial. I've shared with y'all stories of Abraham and Sarah and many others who waited 25, 40 or more years for them to see the blessing that God had in store for them. What makes you any different than them? As a matter of fact, I will hope I will be a lot like them because at the end of their wait, they came out so triumphant, better than how they started. Woo, I want to be like them. I want some of that. If I got to wait 50 minutes, to 50, 50 years to see some things come to fruition. I'm willing to wait. I'm willing to wait. My grandmother went to her grave praying for me, and I had not accepted Christ. 
went to her grave praying for me, and I had not accepted Christ. Every time I stand in this pulpit and stand and speak before you all, every time I open this Bible and sit down with my concordance, my, my, my concordance and, and exegete the text and break it down, I'm thinking about Grandma who prayed for me when I would not accept Christ, who prayed for me when I went to college and considered myself a Muslim, and not only a Muslim but a racist Muslim. Oh, did he bring me a long way. My parents, my father and my, my, is, 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 is married to my stepmother who's white. My father's black and Puerto Rican. And I boldly professed to them out loud I did not agree with their marriage because it was interracial. And God fixed that in me. I'm telling y'all the truth. And if he can do that for me, he can do that for any of you. My grandmother went to her grave praying that God would change me, would soften my heart just enough. I wonder if grandma knew that I would be a pastor, because I certainly didn't. I wonder if grandma's sitting up there now looking down at me. Ooh, look at this boy. And the first time I go home, as a pastor, I'm burying her husband. It's funny to me, because the last time I went home, I was caught up in that rhetoric that I believed was right, because I didn't know any better. I was lost. Yeah, I'm one of those people Jesus came for. And the first time I go back home to upstate New York, just weeks ago, to bury this woman who prayed for me all the way to her death. I go home as a pastor representing her husband and speaking and people making a decision to follow Christ. That's okay. I'll I'll, I'll shout all by myself. Hallelujah. Amen all by myself. In the words of the great... Pastor Sherwood Carthen, who passed recently, they used to say, amen, all by myself. (laughs) Pastor Sherwood, God bless you. Amen, all by myself. Makes sense to me that God resurrected a dead man on the inside. I was dead to the world. I was on my way to being another statistic. I was on my way to being useless to this society. I was on my way to causing relationships that would never happen, be broken forever. I was on my way to a further hole of death. But God said, no, baby, I got something for you. Resurrected my behind, pulled me out of the darkness I was lost and all brainwashed in. Y'all don't have to celebrate it. I've already did it myself. He can resurrect dead things. So he's saying to my grandmother, even after death, Maddie Overton, your prayers are not a delay, a denial. This boy is a pastor now. He's impacting a bunch of people. He's spreading the gospel, not just in America, not just in Mableton, but across the world. Maddie Overton, your prayers are not a denial. Look what I did for your grandson. You knew I was going to do it. That's why you didn't stop praying. Look at him now, Maddie. And I guarantee he's opened up that window and said, look at, look at this. You did this. You did this. You didn't stop praying for this boy right here. Now look at his family. Look at his church. Look at the reach of all the people because of your prayers. Your your prayers were not a denial, Maddie Overton. They were answered. He wasn't ready. He wasn't ready. God's God's denial... God's delay is not a denial. Y'all have to embrace that and know that. Here's the best part that I love what Martha, I mean, Mary says here. John eleven twenty two, 22, and it sums it up. 
But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Even now. Do we got some even now folk? Huh? We got, we got some even now folk that are like, right now, I just don't see it happening in my life right now. I've been doing this for too doggone long, and there's nothing changed. But even now, I'm going to trust God. Even now, I'm going to believe him to do what he's promised me he's going to do. Even now, I'm, I'm, I'm going to just stand firm. Even now, in my valley, I'm going to worship like I've never worshipped before. Even now, in the dark world, I'm going to be the brightest light there ever was. I'm going to be one of those new lights that, that, that you don't have to change for five years. Amen. Huh? I'm not going to be those Phillips that go out after three days. I'm going to be one of them ones that last about five years or more, huh? I'm going to be that kind of light. But y'all need to be that eternal light that God said we are. We are the light and the salt of this world, you and I. We can't do it with lip service. We have to do it by our lifestyle and our actions. It's how we live our lives so that people can be eyewitnesses to a real resurrection. My favorite thing is when people look at me and say, oh, you a pastor? I'm like, oh, you definitely know me from my past. <laughs> now, let's talk. Let me tell you how I got here. Amen. I love when people say that. You're a pastor? Yes. Let's talk. Because I want you to get some of this. What you got out there <laughs> is nothing compared. This thing right here, whoo, man. Boy, if they could box this up and sell it, man, I'd, I'd, be, I'd be bootlegging it. It's that good. <laughs> It's good. Bootlegging is selling without a license, in case you don't know. <laughs> Telling you, God is so good. Even now, even now, don't give up. Even now, right now, he is still the same today, yesterday, and forevermore. I want to share this with you. Those of you who met Pastor Albert, he's from Ghana. He was a pastor that was with us just last week, shared a wonderful message. What Pastor Albert is doing in, in Ghana, along with uh, a good friend of mine, Pastor John Latimer out in Carrollton, what they're doing is they're, they're, they're planting churches in the, highly, the most highly populated Muslim area. These people are culturally, and they're the Walla people in West Ghana. They're cultural Muslims. In other words, they weren't born that way. I mean, they, weren't, they didn't convert. They were born that way. So that means they may not even be practicing, sort of like, some of us Christians, we were born Christians. We had to go to church every Sunday because mama and daddy told us to. Same thing. So what they're doing is they're going there and sharing the gospel. Y'all, those who were here, y'all heard his testimony. So they're sharing the gospel. People are making decisions to follow Christ. So what Pastor Albert does is train pastors and church planters on how to plant churches in Africa. They have several. One of the pastors that he mentored and trained is a pastor by the name of Prosper Amoa. Now, if you have a handout on the bottom of your handout, I want you all, when you have a chance, to go to the websites that I have listed there. Here you will witness a real-life resurrection. This young man, Prosper Amoa, whose wife was dead, who, who had been weak. His wife was weak for several, several days. I mean, just weaker, weaker day by day. She had a heart problem. Gets her to the hospital. They pronounce her dead. She was dead no, like real dead, no pulse, dead gone for several hours, for several hours, just when they were getting ready to put her in to the little morgue type of thing, whatever. Uh, she popped up and asked him, where you been? She was resurrected at that moment. 
Now, she didn't go to heaven. Remember, I told you, people go to heaven, they stay there. They, they, they fulfilled what their earthly duties are. Because in, in, in this, she tells the story about what she saw, who she spoke with, what her mission was. Her job was incomplete. So go to that website. There's two. It's on YouTube. Check it out. These are real people. Y'all met Pastor Albert. He's a real person. Y'all shook his hand. Uh, uh, Prosper and Ruth, they're real people. This is a real story. This is not no believe, Ripley's Believe It or Not. Does that still come on, by the way? I don't know. It's not that. This is a real deal. And I want y'all to see for yourself the power of Jesus, just how things can happen when, 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 when we just trust in him. Now, it don't happen all the time. You know, we don't always agree with how things happen uh, with Jesus, but we still have to trust him nonetheless, correct? Nonetheless, we may not always agree with the decisions he makes, but he has all power. He's the final decision maker. He is the resurrection, and he is the life. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that Pastor B said something that moves you closer to Jesus. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, we would like to invite you to follow us on social media at Mosaic Mableton and visit us on our website at wearemosaicchurch.org. You can learn more information about our church, ways to support our ministry through financial donations, stay updated on upcoming events, and find resources to support your spiritual journey. We would be delighted to welcome you in person on Sunday mornings to worship and connect with others. Our doors are always open to those seeking a place to grow and explore their faith. Thanks for tuning in and may God bless you on your spiritual journey.